Welcome to a special episode, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Rich Klein. Uh, we do positive tone podcasts, but, uh, and this one will still be with a positive tone, but we're going to talk about collecting baseball cheaters. And we're not going to be, well, we'll see how we can make this into a positive tone, but baseball has been a game that's always had uh, some aspect of trying to get an edge on your opponent. And at some point, that's not just an edge, it's, it's cheating. And when you get caught, you're punished. We talk about the punishment, and through it all, those players that are involved in those cheating, quote-unquote, scandals uh, are collectible to one degree or another. So thanks to sponsors, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Beckett Media, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, and Huggins and Scott Auctions. So, Rich, welcome to the show. Thanks for having What's me. What's your take on, if I just say, I want to talk for 15 minutes about collecting uh, players that have been uh, accused or are considered uh, cheaters in the game of baseball. And the, my first thought, or my second thought, was this goes back a long time. This goes back much more than a century. It goes back to the beginning of it baseball. It goes back to the beginning. Yeah. The famed Baltimore Orioles of the 1890s with the legendary figures like Uncle Wilbert Robinson and yeah. John J. McGraw and some other Hall of Famers. McGraw was known for holding your belt buckle as you ran around third base or they would cut right across the infield because there were only two umps and the umps couldn't see anything. Yeah. So, you know, baseball has always had, we'll use the term, people who were creative within the rules. And then you have the spitball pitchers of the turn of the century, even when it was legal, which later became illegal. So, but then you have people who use that, like Gaylord Perry, to their advantage that, mm -hmm. hey, is he throwing a spitball? And if he is, I've got to hit it. Where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? Uh, yeah. And so. Or is he, is he roughing up the ball on his, on, on something to where he can, you know, make the aerodynamics of the flight. But again, I say it, I'm trying to be nice and I'm trying to do positive tone that they're looking for an edge and there's a, a, a portion of the, and it's just in just America, just it's the human condition is that if you don't get caught, it doesn't count. When, and yet there are rules, but since there's punishment, you say, I'm weighing the chances that I'll get caught against the advantage I think I'll get if I don't get caught. Well, think about it. When we buy cards from a dime box, a quarter box, a dollar box, we're using our edge of our knowledge or what we think we can get for the card. You know, no, we're not cheating. We're, we're not, not cheating. cheating. We're not cheating, but we're using. Now, if they, if, if, if somebody said, Hey, here's a box of, of uh, 19, uh, 98 tops cards and they're 10 cents each. And you said, well, I think I'll take this one right here. Well, it isn't a 1998 tops card. It's a 1958 tops card or something or 48 Bowman or something. It's, it's clearly then, you know, that's, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. And you'd be taken advantage. It's different than if it's a box that's not described in any way. And it's just say, hey, all these cards are, are exactly. Exactly. So if they're rules, my point is if they're rules, then you ought to follow the rules. But if you choose not to follow the rules and there's a punishment for if you get caught for not following the rules, then there's a segment of people that think, well, that's, that's fair. You know, if I, uh, I'm going to pay my time. And so as, if I don't get caught, or if I don't do anything worse than anybody else is doing, other people are doing it, trying to get an edge. And so if I do get caught, uh, I can point at them as well. Or, you well, know, I'll get punished, but it'll be a slap on the wrist. Well, and Pete Rose got one of the ultimate punishments, and he didn't really cheat as a player. And the, man the management argument, the manager argument is a more interesting one because he'll say, well, I never bet on my team to lose. But if you only bet on 90 games a year... right. Then the other seven by implication, right? by implication, right. you're assuming they may lose this game. My team may lose this game. And that's where well, the, it gets into a slippery slope. The, and I actually posted something about this on Facebook this week. 
in a conversation I was having where Ron, where three people are thinking Mr. Manfred are having a great week. Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, and Gary Bettman. They're all saying, go, you, Rob Manfred, you keep on keeping on. And I wrote about if Pete Rose in the 99 World Series, when Jim Gray interviewed him, when he was allowed on the field as one of the 50 greatest players, he said, you know, I really goofed up when I bet on baseball in the 80s, and I asked everybody for their forgiveness, and I'm sorry, and I've paid my price. If he had said something like that and been contrite, I'll wager he's in the Hall there's of Fame. There's a possibility he'd be in the Hall of Fame. But there's a sign in every clubhouse, and it doesn't say, don't use steroids. It doesn't say, don't steal signs. It says, don't gamble. Like baseball, and we are and a forgiving so society. It's a different kind of cheating, uh, and uh, and uh, again, there's extent it, it, to be the this amazing player who totally deserves to be in. In fact, part of his Charlie Hustle persona is is this intensity. But um, you know, every you know Barry Bonds is you know considered a PED uh, cheater in that respect, and yet he might say other people were doing it. He might even say and, he wasn't doing it or something. Barry, but here's, here's the thing with Barry Bonds. Before any of this happened, he was a Hall of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer already. Okay. I mean, and that's that's why it's so so tough because he would have been a Hall of Famer without ever touching a PED. Uh, and we're not going to say he did or he didn't, but let's assume he did or he didn't. Yeah. If you just have a normal career-ending pattern to his career in 98 when the home run spikes, yeah. he's still a Hall of he's Famer. definitely a Hall of Famer. And there's no, you know, Roger Clemens was a borderline probable Hall of Famer before his issues began. Or his alleged issues began, right, right. and and that's what makes. I think it, he was in too, you know, but but he got the, the uh, you know the extended career, and again the pitchers say it's they were health and recuperating and uh, re reparative, restorative therapy to to do these uh, things that helped them to 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 not have their arm fall off. Uh, again, it didn't help Barry put bat on the ball. No, you know, he still had to hit it in the sweet spot, but but you know, again, getting to the sports card insights, they're they're. Uh, all these people we're talking about, from starting with the with the with the John McGraw, you know, they're, they're still very collectible. And people, like Gaylord Perry, is not a major Hall of Famer, but he, he wouldn't be a major Hall of Famer either way. No, but he's a legendary figure, and I think he's probably appreciated for his honesty. Bonds and, and Clemens are coming clean. Bonds and, and Clemens are priced as Hall of Famers. Are priced as Hall of Famers. They there's another level if they were priced according to their stats and their awards, there'd be another level. Another stratospheric leather uh, well, level. I, for I them. don't know. They're the most expensive rookie cards in the set. I mean, they're yeah. they're pretty expensive as they are. I, I don't. Maybe a one yeah, one level goose up, and that's about yeah. it. That's there's not much upward you're going to do on their cards. Well, uh, at this point, you might be right because they've been they've been you know mired in in this at this level. I do think this latest uh, cheating uh, episode with the um, Astros. Uh, primarily, but let's just focus on the Astros, you know, not to, to, to pile on, but there, it's, the, the other clubs had no, that something was going on, and the other clubs were doing something maybe not exactly the same. I think maybe the Astros took it to, uh, a, a more sophisticated level, but, but there, there's always been, see, uh, um, sign stealing or, or attempts. But sign, it depends on definition of sign stealing. If you're on second base and you steal the sign, you're considered doing that legitimately, so to speak, because you're picking up actual yeah. clues from the players. And you're a player relaying to another player instead of a, an employee in center field with a exactly. high-powered camera. Exactly. I mean, there's there's the 51 Giants and the 48 Indians use yeah. people. So, I mean... Well, there, there, there's some people that say that uh, Bobby Thompson had the you know, shot heard around the world. He was tipped off. Right. In fact, there was, Branco the, was pitching. there's that book. Uh, there's the book written by the guy who had been the... And I forgot his name. I used to talk to him. 
about every two or three months. And he did the book on the 51 giants about 10 years ago, 15 years, about 15, 20 years ago. Hmm. And he had, and he stopped writing for the Wall Street Journal. He took a leave so he could write a book on the 51. And he did a meticulous book where he really rebroke that, that whole thing about the, uh, the center field, I will say. Yeah. What, um, what about Shoeless Joe? Shoeless Joe is another, again, so again, not a cheater per se, but he was involved in a scandal that was uh, about dishonesty, not giving your best. Um, but it's hard to accuse Joe Jackson of not giving his best when I think he was the leading hitter. He hit 375 in, in that World Series. So, and Buck Weaver was So suspended. maybe he was complicit. So it wasn't that he cheated, but he didn't turn in other people. I mean, you went to school a long time like I did. And, you know, you, you, you could see people in class that are peeking at other people's, uh, yeah. uh, paper and are, are, you know, what baseball hates more than a cheater is a snitch. Well, that happens. That's every, the culture. That happens. In, that happens in life. I was reading an and article. So Joe Jackson's crime was he was not a snitch. I was reading an article in Time from Time Magazine this morning on the internet about yeah. the lady who filed the first complaint about Uber and what Uber tried to do by sending private investigators and basically yeah. doing stuff to her because she was the whistleblower, whistleblower. And, and a whistleblower is a very tough thing because you're doing morally what's right. And I mean, in the sense, the players don't want to be whistleblowers on each other. Look at the problem Jessica Mendoza ran into on ESPN. When she did one, because she had been a, a star softball player, you know, and so, and she worked for the Mets at the time. She understood you don't turn in your teammates. And when Mike Fires said the thing in Atlantic, yeah. well, how's it supposed to come out then? It's eventually it comes out. This yeah, came eventually out as a Sumani. It's been years. This is a, a Sumani. And when this came out, boy, did it come out. Yeah. But, you know, will Jose Altuve continue to be collectible? There'll probably be a downturn, but they've discovered that he took the, the trash can on only 2.8% of his at bats. <laughs> So they're figuring, no, he didn't really want help. Tony Kemp said, I never wanted help. And the trash can, the guy from the Astros fan who had way too much time on his hands and actually checked every at bat, like Tony Kemp was like 0.02 at bats of his year. So there were guys that didn't want the help. They figured that they don't want to hear about a curveball coming and then a fastball coming at your head and you're waiting for the curveball. Yeah, exactly. Get My brother and I played backyard football, two on two. Uh, you know, we take turns being quarterback and receiver against these other two brothers in the neighborhood. And we had... We, we, we had no huddle. We, and so we, we were, we were killing them. And then all of a sudden they figured out what our signs were because they were all verbal. And so they knew what was coming. And so again, like in this, uh, this is football, but so we just said every so often we're going to have some other secondary signal that makes the sign the opposite. Ah. And so they think you're going to go short, but you're going to go long. Are you going to go left, but we're really going to zig right or something. And so, cause you could tell. So, so we would save up the sign cross crossover until a critical play. And I'm just wondering why baseball didn't do that. If they know it's coming, that, well, that when it's the count is three and two, it's an opposite pitch. If I was, call for a curveball, I really mean a fastball. I think I read there was one picture with the Dodgers that every six or eight batters, they, they rotated their signs just because they well, knew something was up. And it was like the only game the Dodgers won and the Astros in the Astro, not the Astrodome, uh, whatever they call Minute Eight Park. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow. And, you know, I'm a lifelong Astros fan. I, and nothing has bedeviled me. It's very me. upsetting. Yes. It's, it's very, organizational, I think. But. It's, and starting at the top. And it's starting with Jim Crane, the owner. Like, just win, baby. You know, mm. at least Al Davis was a fun hustler. <laughs> well, I don't think anything's really fun about Jim Crane. Well, I, you know, I don't. At least he doesn't have any cards that I know of. Uh, there's no sports card insight about Jim Crane. But but uh, a lot of these uh, personalities, players that are great, I mean, it's it, just to be in the big leagues, you've, you've, you're, you're already a, a, a really good athlete and really good at what you do. But again, it's always been based on getting a little bit of an edge. And if you have enough of an edge, 
legally on your uh, on your uh, peers, you get to the Hall of Fame. And some of the players we're talking about for the Astros had are are beginning Hall of Fame worthy careers if they. And so people are going to be looking very carefully at whether they whether that's sustainable. Or Justin Verlander probably was a Hall of Famer before he got there, and now will this put a stain on his Hall of Fame chances? I don't. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be okay for him because it's just the tail end of his career. But well, there's like I said, I I I. I when they're using external agents and uh, conspiracy kind of things, that's different, like you said, than a player on second base that's trying to uh, relay something. And then I, I really put Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe in, in a couple different categories of people that were, because they weren't about, well, Pete was about not thinking his team was going to win. And Shoeless Joe perhaps was just this guy from South Carolina or wherever that didn't really understand, understand all the, what the implications were. And I feel uh, sorry for Buck Weaver even yeah. more, who really didn't cheat. And really just knew about it. And again, he wasn't going to snitch. So what position does that put him in? Permanently ineligible for baseball. And he probably, I understand why he got the punishment he did, but probably he probably should have just gotten, he probably should have gotten a suspension. Well, I think, I think we might agree that in, in many cases back from what's been 101 years ago. Yes. The, the 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 total of the penalties was uh, unduly harsh. Yes, and this uh, Astros thing, the the penalties may be a little bit light. They are light, but remember, the, you would have had to go through the players' union, and they promised the players immunity. So therefore, you can't really argue about what the punishments are because that was known in advance. You know, this is well, they're precedents. They're precedents. Precedents for those kinds of things, and you can't ban somebody from baseball for doing something that other people are doing. That, that somebody got snitched on. And and, and A.J. Hinch broke the monitor a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, he was about as clear as he could be without saying, guys, this has to stop right now. Yeah. You know, the general manager, will he ever get another baseball job? I well, don't know. Um, we're out of time. But just as a last comment, I just want to say that uh, even though baseball and the Players Association, all of their, they're kind of constrained in, in the way they respond, and there's due process and all that. But we're in the collectibles world, and there are no rules about how much somebody wants to pay or not pay or the rank order value of a player. And it remains to be seen if cheating does pay or doesn't pay with respect to your card value. So again, collectors care about what's on the field, but they also care about the person. So hopefully that's somewhat positive tone. I think it's much Baseball positive. will endure and the Astros will endure. But, um, you know, if and you cheat, I hope you get caught and I hope you're punished. And But I hope it ends at that. I think that's more positive tone than I would have done. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Well, be back tomorrow.